Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys. It's Kayla. Candace isn't able to join us today, but we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. It is okay. And today we are going there. We're going there. We're going to talk about our bodies. So what is your relationship with your body? Be honest. Be honest when I ask that. Do you love it? Because chances are most of us, probably all of us, can think of a few things that we want to change about it right now. So do you think that you're capable of loving your body as is right now? Do you think you're capable of just loving it in general? Today, I'm going to talk about this and so much more with the most qualified, badass, beautiful woman inside and out, and beautiful woman inside and out, Jessamine Stanley is on Directionally Challenged today and 
We talk about her discovery of reclaiming the word fat, naked yoga, and her journey to self-acceptance and so much more. Jessamine Stanley has graced the covers of notable magazines across the globe. She's a two-time award-winning author of Everybody Yoga and Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance. She's a pioneer for the wellness curious who might feel displaced, discouraged, or overlooked due to not seeing themselves reflected in the health and fitness community. Just an overall stellar human. Here is my raw, honest conversation about fat phobia, our relationships with our bodies, and so much more. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the wonderful Jessamine Stanley. Jessamine Stanley, you are here with us it's actually happening. We are so excited. <laughs> we have worked with the universe to make it happen. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. I'm honored to be here. I mean, I have to be honest, we have wanted to do a body positive episode for so long, but we knew we needed the right guest. It's not a conversation you take lightly. You need to have someone that's going to be real and going to be honest and going to be raw. And we just, I'm just so happy it's you. You know, you are a fucking pioneer when it comes to yoga and health and the wellness space. And not only that, you've graced the cover of magazines. And I mean, you're just basically breaking the mold when it comes to a lot of places. And we're going to get into all that. But before we talk about everything that has to do with Jessalyn. I want to know about little Jessalyn. Can you take me back to the beginning with baby Jessalyn? What was your relationship with yourself when you were first growing up? I know you talk about it a lot in your book, Everybody Yoga. Well, it's so it's Jessalyn. And the reason I'm going to point this out is because owning my name has been a huge part of like, just standing in my full self. I spent so much of my life apologizing for my identity, full-time apology. I thought that the way that I am naturally was bad and wrong. And that basically that because I am fat and Black and queer, that that meant that I was just not good enough. And I came up in the age of like the Olsen twins and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And it was this very specific idea of like white patriarchal beauty. Yeah. Right. It's like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, all the same people. And, you know, I really recently I have been in like a Britney retrospective. So like this is no shade on anybody in anything, but it did make me feel like I could not accept who I am. And that to accept who I was, to accept my hair and my belly and and my skin color, that uh, to accept all of those things would be like a failure. And I do remember there being a point in my childhood where I thought, I'm just going to do my own thing. Because I was never, I was not like a very popular kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. And I was bullied a lot, especially in middle school. And I just thought, and when I look back on that time of being bullied, I feel like it was really helpful preparation for being trolled on the internet. And so I feel a lot of gratitude to my bullies. And I also think that there is so much power in being forced to recognize that there is no one that I can look to for the support that I'm seeking really beyond myself and that I need to look within myself for the answers to my questions. And that is something that as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult, I was not having that conversation consciously, but it was like underneath the surface. And 
stepping into body acceptance and body liberation definitely opened those doors for me to explore that further. So even at a young age, you were having that conversation. What do you think was that innately in you? Was there someone in your life that sort of presented that? How how were you so able to accomplish that at such a young age? I would not. So, okay. So I would say that when I was a kid, I was very depressed and I went through periods of like deep depression. And then when I was in college, I came to understand more about the body acceptance movement and about body fat positivity and fat liberation. And during that time, I was really moved and motivated by the work of people like Leslie Kinzel and Marianne Kirby and Diane Bondi and Anna Guest Jelly. And they really opened my eyes to what it could mean to be to be myself to be fat. And then also specifically with Diane and Anna, there was this understanding of yoga and physical movement as being integral to that journey. And that if I could tap into myself physically in that way, then I could engage with myself in a different way and feel more whole. And so really like, as much as it was me like having to accept myself because of being bullied and because of, because there is really, there is so much power that comes through isolation and through feeling like the other. And that is to more directly answer your question. That's really what it was for me. But when I look back at that time period, it is the voices of these fat activists that stand out to me as like, an example and a beacon for how to move forward. And I do feel like that's really important when you're on the journey toward body acceptance and body liberation to have those role models in your life that are talk, uh, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, and that can offer that example because it is very challenging to change your worldview, especially when we're all so mired in body negativity. It's really hard to like even see anything different whenever like your friends are body negative and your family's body negative and you are and the media is and it's just it's a lot so having curating your feed and curating the content that you engage with really it had a huge impact on my life mm. first off I just want to say thank you for correcting me too because that I'm happy you're owning that people get my name wrong all the time and I really appreciate you doing that because it's a great example especially for all our listeners we have younger listeners on this podcast too and it's like it is you just live what you stand for and that's what you're talking about too when you bring up the, your role models who live what they stand for and I really appreciate that so Thank you. If I can add something to that, the reason, so my Instagram handle is my name is Jessalyn. And I made it that because I was at this point in my life of like, I want to stop just being okay with people saying my name any kind of way. My name has been mispronounced my entire life to a point where like, I'll respond to Lauren, Jasmine, Jessica. I'm like, if you say Lauren the right way, it sounds like Jessamine. And I'm like, I got it's fine. I hear it. And it got to this place of like, no, I need this is the first step of me being disrespected is me disrespecting myself. And so now when I think of it, I'm like, it's Jessamine. And yes, it's complicated. But it's like if Jessica and Jasmine had a baby, they had Jessamine. And but being able to own that, I think, is a very tender space. And so I appreciate that we can be kindred spirits. In that. Well, yeah, of course. You know, my sister's name is Jenica. 
and it's Jessica and Jenna put together. So it's the same thing. And her whole life, it's been that battle too. So I, I completely understand that. I, God, there's so many things I would, I don't even know where to start because there's so much to, but I guess you brought up your yoga. So we'll, we'll go there. And I want to start with your very first yoga class you took, your Bikram yoga class with your aunt. Can you tell our listeners and share that story with them? Just so it's just so real and honest. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for, I haven't thought about it in a little while. And it's something that like really lives in infamy. So when I was 16, My aunt was obsessed with Bikram yoga, which is a style of hot yoga. And I used to think of it as like the McDonald's of yoga. It was like you would it was always the exact same 26 postures in a 90 minute period. And like you could go anywhere in the world and this class is exactly the same. But she was like really, really into it. And in the way that because like and I say this as a yoga person, we can be really annoying whenever we're like really into something. So it's they're like, no, you have to try this. And at that time, I was like, I mean, sure, whatever. I got nothing better to do than go to this hot yoga class. And I just remember walking into the room and my first thought was just how terrible it smelled. Like, because it's a style of hot yoga, the room is about 100 ish, 105 degrees. It's very, very hot. Which and is so hot. That's hard to just be in that in general, like just walking into a room that's 105 degrees, you instantly are just like, what am I doing? Exactly. It is so physically overwhelming. And the sweat that comes off of everyone's body is like logged in the carpet. And so it makes the smell of the room just like unctuous. So it's smelly. It's very, very hot. And all of the postures seemed impossible to me. Even the breath work at the very beginning of the class, I was like, this is crazy. And it seemed like everyone else in the room had done it a million times. They already knew what they were doing. And I just felt so ill-equipped. And I made it like maybe a third of the way through the class before I was like, I cannot be in this room anymore. Like, I think I'm going to die in here. And I remember the teacher had told us not to leave the room when we get in there. And I was like, y'all don't know me. I have to leave this room. This is ridiculous. And I walked out I felt incredible because there was air conditioning. So I was like, oh, this is wonderful. And I immediately forgot what the problem was. I was like, what was the big deal? But when I went back into the room, I learned why the teacher had asked us not to leave the room initially. Because when you're in a space that has a very extreme temperature and you go into another extreme temperature, it can really physically upset your body. And I felt extremely nauseous. And I walked out of the room and I was like, I am never doing this again. Like yoga is the worst. And it was like seven years before I went back. But I, when I think of that class, I think of everyone now who's like, yeah, I've tried yoga and it kind of sucks. And I'm always like, I feel you. Literally, it's really hard. About the same thing. It's hard yeah. to do. And, you know, there's this culture there that it's uh, you have to be a specific type of person and look a certain way and be a certain way. And it's <laughs> just feels very ironic because it, it feels like yoga is should be an accepting community. And sometimes it is. I know you have created an accepting community, but yoga in general, there are lots of forms of yoga. I I say this is like, I've taken a few yoga classes. I'm one of those people, I'm not super flexible. Doing those poses is very difficult for me. And I've tried because it does bring peace of mind and all of that. But there is a stigma that comes along with yoga. And I felt it walking into a class. I'm sure, you know, I know you have. Absolutely. And it's, so how do you how do you then break free of that? I know you 
you then attended a yoga class in college and this changed everything for mm-hmm. you. Well, the great irony of yoga is that there's always this feeling of like, I'm not flexible enough. I'm not strong enough. Or like my mind isn't calm enough. And really yoga is for everybody who is not flexible. It's for if your mind moves fast and you can't calm down, it's for you. But the culture of it, it definitely gives this other impression. And I think that that was a huge catalyst in starting the Underbelly, our wellness community, because we wanted to make a space where it is okay to just be yourself, where you don't have to apologize for being who you are. And that's something that I think even to this day is missing in the yoga world. And when I was in graduate school, and I went back to yoga, I still felt like this is impossible. The postures, I cannot do any of them. But you like, went back. I was always, I I'm did proud of back. you. That's amazing. Because oh. that's hard to do. I did, but I was also peer pressured by a friend. <laughs> so again, if you're in this situation where like you have a friend who's just like, oh my God, I go to yoga. I'm like, go. It <laughs> might, you might change your mind. But I think that the real pivot point for me was understanding just how much I was looking to other people for confirmation of my identity. And that that was happening a lot in the class environment, that I'd be looking around at everyone else like, what are you doing? Like, Am I doing it right? And over time in a class environment, I did gradually stop thinking as much about what other people thought of me. But the biggest catalyst for that was really establishing my own home practice and not practicing solely in rooms with other people. Because I think that it is so hard to not be distracted by other people, like in general. So having a space where it is just you and you don't have to worry about what anyone else thinks. And like, if you fart, it's not a big deal. If your leggings slide down, it's not a big deal. If you don't know how to practice the posture, it's cool. But Having that kind of comfort within yourself, you can then carry that with you off the mat and into the other parts of your life as well. In a broader perspective, can we talk about the yoga community? Because I know that you didn't, you really didn't set out to break the mold, but you did, right? Like you, when you first started posting on Instagram in the very beginning, it was just for you. It was just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. It wasn't necessarily to break the mold or, and, and, what was your experience with the yoga community? Not the one that you've created, but the one that existed when you first started posting. Definitely. So when I first started sharing my yoga practice on social media, I was like, I want to connect with other practitioners because I was practicing at home. I felt very isolated and I wasn't sure if I was practicing the postures correctly. So I was taking the pictures so that I could like watch them over time. And when I would post the pictures, I really did not get feedback from other yoga practitioners. It was mostly from people who didn't practice yoga. And so that was my big That was my first real understanding of how the mainstream yoga world works is that in general, there's just exclusion of anyone who does not look like the norm of what we think of as a yoga practitioner, which in America specifically, we generally think of that as white, able-bodied, cishet, very wealthy, or at least like not worrying about money. And there's a very specific idea that because I did not fit that mold, I never found community there. And even as my profile has grown and as I have been featured and placed in more places, I think that there is still 
a tokenizing and a fetishizing that happens with the way that I am seen so that it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't really translate necessarily to a change in the yoga community overall. It feels like a drop in the bucket. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. 
with so many sample packs, new products. It's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code challenged right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code challenged. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. Like, what do you think would change it? Mm. Is, is there a possibility? Because mm. yes, a drop of the bucket, but we need a new bucket. Totally. That's exactly right. I think that the key to large scale change of any kind of systemic problem, any kind of ism, whether it's like sexism, racism, like all of them, I think it requires acknowledging the root of the problem on an individual basis. And I think that that is generally what does not happen. I think there's a lot of like trying to treat the symptoms as opposed to getting to the core of what the disease is. And the problem, the reason that there is so much marginalization that happens in the yoga world is because there is not enough acceptance of the white supremacy and fat phobia that lives in each of us individually. And so just acknowledging that on a personal level can make all the difference. And if you are a studio owner, if you are a business owner in any degree, if you communicate with other people about wellness, just to acknowledge your own biases and to see the way that you're a part of upholding the systems that be, I think that that can make such a difference in just our collective experience of those things. Because if we can acknowledge them fully, then we can actually look to the solutions. But if we start with the solutions, we don't even really know what we're doing. Right. And then there's no journey. There's no journey to self-growth whatsoever. Exactly. But I do think that it is, there is a great power in visibility. And so it is really important to offer the microphone and the stage to those who are not seen in the mainstream. And that is that can be translated into every single industry, every single there's there's a place where somebody could pass the mic everywhere. So, yeah, visibility, I think, really does make a difference. So when Self Magazine calls and is like, hey, we want you on the cover, do you feel it? Does your mind automatically think, oh, tokenism or or are you able to mm-hmm. celebrate that? Mm, that is such a great question. It's all the things I think about every single piece of it. I think that it is there is a piece of, OK, so where is the token? Who Who is the token? Am I the token? What is the but ultimately what it comes down to, to for me is what is the end game? What's the goal? What is the point? Who could see this and be positively impacted by it? And the really incredible thing about visibility is that you never know who you're going to positively impact. So like, for example, when self calls and they're like, we want you on the cover of the future of fitness issue. That is great for fat, black, queer people for sure. But there are so many people who are not fat, black or queer who see themselves in that. They see the honesty and the authenticity and the vulnerability. And they're like, that is me. I can do what I've always wanted to do. And that power to me is even more brilliant than really trying to lift up any particular group of people. Because I think that 
we really live in a world where so many of us feel marginalized and feel small, even when we see ourselves reflected in the mainstream, that there's still a feeling of like, I'm not good enough or nobody experiences pain the way that I'm experiencing it. And so being able to humanize and really show that every part of your life is important and even and especially the things that you don't like are really the source of your greatest power. Being able to experience that is the opportunity of, for growth from that is limitless. So it feels like something that it's just a, you know, it's a balancing act. But I think that there's a lot to be gained by standing in your own power. Mm. I love it. And you talk about the isms, right? You brought, as you say, I love it. Racism, capitalism, all that in our society, all the, all the fat shaming and the stigma that's wrapped into it. And can you talk to us about that and how you were able to achieve that? Because I think a lot of people would love to live that way, but don't know how to. Absolutely. I think that I'm the first person to cast myself as a victim, villain, or hero in any situation. And so acknowledging that paradigm in my life is something that definitely extends beyond this. And it's something where I'm recognizing that my greatest power lives in recognizing that I am always the victim, villain, or hero. I'm all of those things at once. And that's a but that's a power position. I own everything at that point. I can do anything. And so from that place, I can move forward. And it is scary. I think that it's very scary to stand in that level of power and to say, because it's it's scary, it's isolating, it's lonely. And it feels like, what if nobody likes me? What if I'm not, what if I'm cold from the herd and I don't have friends and family anymore? And what I have found to be true is that you always find your people, no matter where you are, no matter what you decide to believe, there's always somebody there who gets you. And the more honest that you are, the more that encourages the people around you to be honest with themselves as well. And the more that you don't require that somebody else be the villain in your hero story or be your hero while you're the victim, the more power you're offering to the people that you love. And I don't want to say any of this like, oh my God, it's so easy. And then I figured it out in like five years and now I never need to think about it. No, this is like every moment of every day I'm thinking about this. Right. It's constantly working. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's something that the patience with yourself is, I think, the heart of the journey and being able to accept the ups and the downs and the curvature and the the complexity of the lessons being able to really rest in that again that's what it's like literally laying the jewels into your crown like when you are standing strong in your power wearing your regalia feeling your strength every moment of having to like do the hard thing that's what that regalia is built from so it's just that and I want to bring in, you know, you talked about bullies when you were younger. And then also we've done a lot of discussions on this podcast about, you know, Internet bullies and all of that. How are you able to keep this mindset 
and stay calm and and stay, you know, centered and and listen, you're human. Like you're not always going to be able to do that. None of us are. But how are you able to do that? Because I can imagine that's a huge difficulty in all of this, because as you're paving the way, you're paving this path, you're going to disrupt and you're going to disrupt a lot of people that aren't going to like what you have to say. And nowadays people are comfortable and safe behind their screens. And I think more likely to even be more, go, go, go deeper, go, go be uh, the worst version Mm -hmm. of, of themselves. That's exactly right. I think the level of violence that can happen now is so much more intense because you can hide behind a screen. And, you know, again, like I am so grateful for that experience of being bullied because what I learned in middle school was that bullying comes from sadness. The only people who bully are very, very deeply sad themselves. And so what I now understand as a yoga practitioner is that my job is not to worry about anybody but myself, ultimately. So what I can say is that if there is a person who is experiencing sadness, I can think to myself, do I experience sadness? Do I know what that feels like? Yes, I do know what that feels like. I can feel compassion for this person. I can get where they're coming from. I have had a bad day. I know what it is to get on the internet and see something that you don't want to see. I don't don't feel like looking at that. And to have a really intense, powerful, negative reaction to that. And whenever people come at me with whatever it is, whatever vitriol, I just think they're having a bad day or they're having whatever experience it is that they're having. And the power position for me is to not take that personally and to not feel like I have to get involved in their cycle of sadness and that instead I can disrupt that cycle of sadness with compassion and say, you know, damn, I feel you. I feel you. I want love for you. And I, and I say this, like, please do not think that I'm like, oh, I'm so pious. Oh my God. Yes. I love everyone. No. Sometimes people catch me on the wrong day and I'm like, you tried it. This, so now I have lots to say to you. And so it's a balance of like letting all of those things be there. But I do think that being able to just say, you know, I don't, especially when you're talking about things like fat phobia and racism, things that are really based in fear and that have a lot to do with fear of oneself. It is bound to, whenever you put yourself out there the way that I do, you're bound to upset somebody. And it's going to be very, it's going to be unpredictable. And leaning into that unpredictability and letting that be a place of power as well. And saying that, I'm just going to walk into fire and I'm going to come out on the other side stronger. That is, I think, especially for a creator, really important to keep in mind, because I think that that fear of what other people will say limits creation and it limits the ability to put yourself out there and to just be your most brilliant, shiny, authentic self. And if you can say that... You know, people are people are going to talk. Haters going to hate. They're going to say what they're going to say. And that's okay. And I think that in general, if you're doing something that's worthwhile, somebody's going to have something negative to say. And that's a good thing. It means that you are actually provoking change. 
Oh, I love it. And it, you know, the truth is, is like when, when, if you're saying negative things about someone, you probably don't have a lot of self-love, right? That's but exactly when right. you're operating in that space that you're talking about, where you are just in, in your own body, owning your body, loving yourself, you want other people to soar. You do. It doesn't matter. Like you do. That's what I was going to say. Literally, you never hear about anyone who is happy wanting somebody else to be sad. It is always the other way. Like it's Lizzo. I think like everyone should just listen to Lizzo when it comes to stuff like that. She has written the mantras for our time. But she says, if I'm shining, everybody's going to shine. That is it. A hundred percent. Like when you're shining, everybody shines. Right. It's like when you're shining, you want you want people to come join the shininess. You want to do it all together. And that's so lovely. And so for anyone listening, because, you know, I think a lot of people who are wrapped up in social media and the, the comments and the perspectives and what people think of you means so much. And all that negativity can really affect mental health. And that is, it's a really big conversation that we have a lot on this podcast in particular, but I just want everyone to really hear that and to listen to Jessamine when she says that like, when you're shining, other people shine. It's not, and all those people that are, are going to hate, just, I mean, put your crown on, like she says, and you just rule your own life. Let it go. Let it That's go. exactly right. And and surround yourself with other people who are wearing their crowns. And there are so many people. If you're, I really relate deeply to the person who creates content or who is engaged on social media and who is deeply impacted emotionally by what feedback they receive or what other content people are putting out. And it is a really beautiful community that we've built online where like, it's a space where we can all be ourselves and just say and do whatever we want to do. And I think that really seeing yourself as a as an architect of this world and really understanding that like there is hardship that comes along with that and there is there's great responsibility that comes with that but it it's not all bad and your sadness is not a problem it is a gift it is maybe your greatest strength hey guys we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back in just a minute Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we're back. I love that. I want to take it back for a minute because there's something we missed within and it's because I didn't bring it up, but I really want to make sure that we talk about it in this episode because you speak so openly about reclaiming that word fat. And I think that that is something that is used a lot in comments and there's a negative connotation that comes with that. And I just want you to speak on this so that our listeners can hear this because I think they really need to hear it. Absolutely. You know, the reason that I use the word fat is because there is this question of why you would use the word fat. Because I always was so scared to be called fat. I thought that being called fat was the worst thing in the world. And to claim that word, to own it, means needing to define it for myself. So then I say, like, what does it mean? What does fat mean? And if you go by what society says, fat means ugly. It means stupid. It means dumb. And it doesn't actually mean that at all. Fat means large, you know? And so if you say, okay, so I'm large, that's fine. What else am I? But large is so, it can be so positive too. Large can be like you take up space in a room. Large can be, there's, there's so much to that word. That is exactly right. That it is. And we do live in a world that wants us to be small and to not be large, to not take up space. So And conform because then they can control. Exactly. Literally. So to say I am substantial, I do take up space, I am profound. What else am I? I am beautiful. I am smart. I am healthy. All of these things can exist together. And I think of it really as taking the ammunition out of a weapon that's being used against you and finding a way for that weapon to be a part of who you are and to be a part of your strength. God, I can listen to you all day. So, okay. So then in turn, like what, when you reclaim that word, what does the word fat mean to you? And what is, what do you think we can do to break the stigma? What can we do? It's funny because it's just like, sometimes it feels like, well, I'm just one person, right? What can I do? Other times it's really, it feels like there's so much we can do. So I guess I'm asking just what do you think we could do? You know, I think that so much of it starts on the individual level. And I think that it is about Just having those hard conversations with yourself, whether you identify, like using the word fat as an example, whether you identify as fat, whether you don't identify as fat, like just having that conversation of like, how do I feel about this? And how am I contributing to fat phobia because of what I believe? And then taking it that step further to let whatever your experience of that is, maybe it's shame. Maybe you're embarrassed about how you show up in that space. Maybe it's love. Maybe you love that you're fat. Maybe it's hate. Maybe you hate the idea of ever being fat, but really letting that experience shine and then letting 
the young people around you experience that as well, because that is how I think we actually start turning the tide and seeing a shift in culture and a shift in the stigma is to be really conscious of how we're showing up in community and how we are offering new perspectives Mm. to younger voices and to children. It does feel like a lot of us are living in denial that a lot of people think, oh, I'm not either. I have no fat phobia. No, I, I love all people. No, I'm not racist. I'm not. And then the truth is, if you just live that way, you don't have to face it. And that's so I see what you mean. That's like if everyone can just look themselves in the mirror and really get to know themselves. Mm -hmm. And with no, I mean, like letting the shame be there, but not adding additional shame. Like, it's not like you should have figured it out already or like there's nothing. And like that, that it's okay that it's different from day to day. Because I think that we'll we'll think like, oh, I should have figured this out. by now. like, do I still have to run this tape? And it's like, yeah, you're human. Life's not over. So it's going to be different every day. And that's okay. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It actually makes you a great person because you're fully human. And accepting your humanity is really the key of it. I feel like you learned that in your yoga practice, right? (laughs) So much of this, I think like, wow, it's really convenient that I practice yoga. (laughs) That is the focus of my life. Because it is, but you know, yoga, I think is often thought of as um, being about being happy and peaceful and calm. And more often than not, I find yoga to be about chaos and like accepting the very, the muck of your identity. My my second book, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, is really about this. It's about accepting all the different pieces of yourself. And I think that that journey is nonlinear and it means many different things, some of them very hard and unpleasant, but it always means clarity of spirit and a and a feeling of oneness and presence. And ultimately, that's the good feeling that yoga is offering. Mm. Do you like to be naked better or do you like to have clothes on? In general, all the time. In general, all the time. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is that I am really into practicing yoga naked to the point where I just started a naked yoga instructional series on OnlyFans. But I, in my day-to-day life, and also am obviously very much an exhibitionist in the way that I share my yoga practice on social media, but in my day-to-day life, I am generally a pretty introverted and quiet and not exposing myself type of person. And yeah. I mean, I ask this as a fellow yeah. nudist. Like, I genuinely would prefer to be naked. I almost just wish we could all just not wear clothing and be naked. That would be amazing. So one one thing I will say is that, so my partner and I were full-time RVing last year, and I can go into a whole other story about this, but we spent some time at clothing optional campgrounds. And the thing that I appreciated the most about that was not necessarily being naked all the time, because my favorite one was in Vermont, and it was very, very cold by the time we were there. So we were not naked that much. But it's the spirit of openness that comes along with that that I really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. And also just not having to worry about any of that. And having to like worry about putting certain things on and not having to conform to anything and just like really owning who you are and being who you are and being comfortable in that. That's a, that's 
incredible. Yes. And not having to apologize for yourself at all. Right. We spend so much time apologizing. Okay. So I really want to talk about the underbelly yoga. You brought it up. Talked. I know it's now it's now it's a, an app, right? Yes. So the underbelly was is an app that you can access on Basically, anywhere that you can stream, you can stream the underbelly. And it is yoga and wellness classes with me. And we have multiple tracks, many different types of classes to take. And the idea behind the underbelly, though, is that so much of the yoga world is about aspirational thinking and really like change your body, change your life, look like something else. And the underbelly is like, stop what you're doing. Just show up exactly as you are. It's about claiming a sacred space within yourself and just being yourself and and coming to a place where you don't have to make explanations or apologies. You can just be. And there's so many pieces of our lives that seem like mm, too different, too weird, too much. Like when I'm practicing yoga, my kids are trying to walk up underneath me and the dog is here and there's a pile of laundry. And at the underbelly, we're like, bring all that. Bring all of your truth. It's all welcome here. You are welcome here. But yeah, you can you can stream the underbelly literally anywhere that you can stream. And we have a two-week free trial that you can try Yeah, and we'll, we'll put that in our show notes because I really do want our listeners to click on that and see what that's like and experience this I don't want to say new form of yoga. It's not like you've been around. It's not new. But I think in the it, it can be considered new in the life of yoga, right? Especially yoga in America, which is like a different type of yoga than where it yoga is based out of India, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting because I think that the way that the underbelly understands yoga is like eternal and timeless and it has always been practiced and taught this way but because of how yoga is processed in america in the way that i always think of it as the yoga industrial complex the way that the yoga industrial complex has bloomed it has not made space for that which makes us different and unique and so in that regard yeah the underbelly is like a brand new idea but in the in the scope of yoga in general it feels like a return to form it feels like this is what it has always been. Oh, right. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to say. I love it. I want to talk about moving in general, just to move, moving to not for the benefit of losing weight, trying to fit into a certain item of clothing, trying to impress a certain someone. I want to talk about just moving in general for your body, for your self-love, for yourself. And I don't think many people think of quote unquote exercise in that way. And so we're moving into the holiday season. Everyone and their mother, and when it turns New Year's, has a resolution that they want to lose 10 pounds, right? Or whatever. It's something of that in that regard. So how can, and I think the reason that doesn't work is because the they're going for a certain outcome that's not going to benefit them in the long run, right? So how can we change our mindset around this? How can we be someone who wants to move our bodies to exercise for the endorphins, for the health? My goodness. You know, I always think about when I was a kid, I used to move around just because it felt good. You know what I mean? Like you would just run up the block just because like you like turn a cartwheel. You'd be like, can you turn a cartwheel fast? Can you do a round off? Like it was not about 
like who's gonna like how many pounds am I gonna lose or like what outfit am I gonna wear it was just like no my daughter <laughs> my daughter's like mom want to run and I'm like for for fun like what do you mean and that what? but I'm like look to children like look like find the child within yourself <laughs> and that is the person who wants to exercise with no motivation other than it feels good and I think that that is the place where like wow, so much incredible movement can come from there. That's how you start running triathlons. Like, that's how you get into, like, long, big goals, big athletic pursuits that have nothing to do with what you look like. It's just about wanting to be present and have a good time because movement is fun and human beings are meant to move. Like, we're we are built to really be very active. And it doesn't matter how much you weigh. It doesn't matter what you look like. All that matters is that you're breathing. And like, if you can breathe, then you find the movement that works for you. And when it stops feeling good, you stop doing it. But there is also this edge that we don't play with enough where it's like, it's very hard, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't, that doesn't mean it feels bad. It's just hard. And letting it feel hard, this is, I'm saying this for myself as someone who doesn't love running, for example. Like, I'm not not really into endurance sports in that way. But there's this moment in deep endurance where it's like, wow, this sucks. Every part of this is the worst. And then at the exact same time, I am surviving this moment. I'm still here. And there is so much power there. It's crazy. And it's, again, it doesn't have anything to do with how much you weigh or what you what you look like. It's just like, I am a powerful beast. I can do anything. And like resting in that place with it and letting the desire to move come from that place. That mm. is, that's the key. I, I love that so much because it, I, I just had a baby and obviously like congratulations talk, thank you thanks yeah. but like you know a lot comes with that and a lot of body stuff your body's like crazy and a lot of body stuff comes with that too and having to reformulate my mindset of I'm not gonna move just so my clothes fit because that's a whole other beast like nothing fits I'll literally be in my pajamas right now and it's great and we love that too you know but moving for the sense of just like self-love and moving for me and moving for so thank you for owning that and thank you for just like being such a catalyst that is so necessary right now. I really mean that. And it sounds so cliche, but I mean that because oh, my goodness, man, no. are you just you're just paving the way. Okay, one last thing we have to talk about. I know we're like over time and you just have so much going on. Jessamine, that's a thing. Let's talk about we go high. I know you guys originally and, and intentionally were based in North Carolina for a reason. So talk to us a little bit about that and why you formulated the company. So we started We Go High because there can, there comes a point in every cannabis user's life where I think you have to wonder, what am I doing with this plant? What is the purpose behind this and where? Because, yes, cannabis is deeply healing, but there are so many people who are currently incarcerated for cannabis while so many of us are able to use it freely. And we realize that there's a need for us to come together as a collective and be able to stand in our power by saying that if we can do this, if we can all use weed, then there should be no one in jail for this. Right. There, there needs be to no be one. reform about this. And, and exactly. it is inherently racist. We did a whole episode about this and talked all about this. So if you guys haven't heard that one, please go back and listen to it. Um, but yes, and how... how <laughs> There's just such a stigma around it. So continue. Sorry, continue. No, on that's about it. We go this high. is exactly right. So the the idea is that 
if every person who uses cannabis feels empowered by that and feels like this is a this is a position of political power, then what can we do if we all stand in that power individually and as a collective? And I think that being for me, a big catalyst was definitely watching my family members who did not have access to this plant suffer in the last stages of their life because they specifically my grandmother did not have access to this plant and i think like what would it what would happen if everybody had access to this plant and then also spending time closer to the justice system and just seeing how many people are disenfranchised by very minor infractions it was like, there's a need for us to take responsibility. There's a need for me to take responsibility. And it's something that in a state like North Carolina is very, very obvious because cannabis is still illegal in North Carolina. And in a state like California, where I am currently, it's not the same. It's different because it's legal. But in both places, the stigma prevails. The stigma of what it means to be a cannabis user is still there. And so noticing that our collective silence, when we don't talk about using cannabis, that negatively impacts everybody so that that stigma is allowed to prevail, even in places where it's legal. So being able to say that, yes, I use cannabis. I'm not apologizing for it. No one should be in jail for it. There's so much power there. And we watch that change literally Watch the president of the United States say the tagline of we go high, no one should be in jail for weed. He said no one should be in jail for marijuana. But I was just like, yes, this is the point. This is exactly what we're doing. So I'm so grateful to be a person who is in community with other people who believe this and who carry the message. And it's it's a really great thing to be a part of. But you can find out more about we go high at we go high dot info. And follow us at We Go High and See. That's what I was going to say. Please list your socials for everyone because I know after this conversation, everyone's going to want to come check you out if they don't already follow you. <laughs> Please come follow me. I'm at my name is Jessamine on social, and you can get all of the information about my books and where I'm teaching at jessamineStanley.com. And you can practice yoga with me at the underbelly at theunderbelly.com. I love it. And you are just a force. So thank you for joining us today. You're just beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you had a really long conversation with me about so many important things. So thanks. I'm honored and humbled to be here. And I appreciate you so much, Kayla. Thank you. Oh, man, I just love her honesty. I love her so much. I'm, I know you guys are feeling the same way. One thing I really love about Jessamine is how her relationship with her body has changed over time and how she just owns who she is completely. And I think all of us can benefit from that. And I loved her perspective on the bullies, the cyber bullies, all the people out there that maybe are having a tough time and just rising above it. And I don't know about you guys, but next time I'm going to visualize my crown every time I need to rise above something. But she's just such a force and I'm so honored to have talked to her. And I hope you guys took from this a lot of self-acceptance and a lot of peace because I think that's something that she just fully embodies. We have another great episode for you coming next week. And until then, take care and get up and move, okay? <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Diane King. 
post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.